and welcome everybody to this week's maternity midwifery hour sorry we're a little bit late we had a few technical glitches but it's not going to detract from this evening's session so welcome indeed i'm sue mcdonald i'm the curator for the midwifery and maternity hour and the midwifery and maternity festivals and it's my pleasure to be chairing this evening's session and i've got two lovely midwives with me this evening and that's kemi akinwun and I pronounce, I'm going to pronounce it, I, me, <laughs> Kemi, <laughs> and Joyce Adu Amankwa. I'm having problems now after getting started. So we, as we always do with our guests, and I'll probably take Joyce by surprise, but I'm going to ask them each to share a moment of the week, which is what we always do to our guests. So Joyce will probably remember because she's been a guest with us before and Kemi is with us this evening for the first time. But Kemi, can you share your moment of the week this week? Catching me off guard. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I would say my moment of the week would be probably today, coming and sharing these gems and having a discussion with everybody this week. So I think it would be today having this maternity midwifery hour with you all. Wonderful. That well, that's lovely to hear. Thank you so much, Kemi. And where it's our delight that you're with us as well. And I keep wanting, I did say this to Kemi, I want to call her Auntie, Auntie <laughs> Kemi, because that's her professional kind of uh, nom de plume. But she's <laughs> going to talk a bit about that a little bit later. And Joyce, having had all the technical glitches, and I'm so sorry about that. And I'm so sorry to the audience, we've had to wait a little bit, but we will still have an hour. I assure everyone of that. Joyce, would you be able to share a moment of the week? I think the moment of the week is uh, yesterday when I opened my email about 10 o'clock and I could see your invitation to speak today. (laughs) And I said to myself, my goodness, I don't even have the time to prepare for that. But (laughs) it was, um, I was thinking, do I go, do I not? But I am delighted I'm here. And so are we delighted. It's fantastic. And thank you so much for coming, both of you, you, because I think this whole area of midwives, careers and pathways is going to be so interesting and helpful for people who are watching. And I know our audience includes midwives and student midwives and aspiring midwives, as well as other people within the maternity services who will find your stories fascinating. So I'm just going to do a little bit about where we all came from. I always do this just to remind us, this is our third year of the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. I can hardly believe I'm saying this, but we started on off right at the beginning of the pandemic. um, And it was a way of linking up student midwives, midwives, maternity care workers, all sorts, plus some mums. We do have mums and parents who watch as well. But it was mainly to make sure that midwives and student midwives who couldn't access continuing professional development or study days or conferences and even meeting together when you weren't working was was not allowed. This was a way of connecting. So we we really celebrate that beginning because it was a very dark and difficult time for most people, if not all people in the world. Um, and we do love you to share. So those of you watching this evening, I, I think you will want to share this session with your friends and colleagues. And if you do, you just go to Matflix and find the link and share and talk about what you've learned and what you've heard tonight and, and other things that are available. Now, there are box sets available if you want to subscribe to the Matflix as like a monthly kind of thing. It's quite reasonable, very reasonable, I would say. And it does mean you can get box sets that are kind of focused. And that can be really good if you're doing a dissertation or a project or you're doing a revalidation and you want to to get, because our time is so precious these days. And especially as mainly women, but we do have some male midwives, obviously. But in this busy world of of midwifery, we're so busy juggling everything. Having something very focused can be very helpful. So bear that in mind for for those of you who are having a revalidation, need some some support for that. Now, the other thing is I'm going to say a big thank you to all our midwives and student midwives, maternity care support workers, our paediatricians, our obstetricians, all those people who make up the wonderful maternity services. We're always busy, 
we're under stress as we always are it seems like forever but the last three years have been very difficult and I will just say to you look after yourselves like you look after the women and babies and families because that's really important and often we're the we look after ourselves the last and I think we have to address ourselves and look, look after ourselves now I have the news feature and because my time's going to be a bit squiffy I'm going to try and keep to it properly I would like to say Eid Mubarak on behalf of the forum to our Muslim friends and colleagues a very important time and precious time for our Muslim colleagues I also want to say a big congratulations to Jackie Gerrard who many of you will know who's been on the maternity midwifery hour also and she's been awarded a, a special lifetime achievement award for from the Active Pregnancy Foundation for all her work with getting women and active and actually getting midwives active too. So really good. So well done, Jackie, for that. Now I also notice, and I've got I've got history in my mind because I've been rereading my Midwives and Medical Men, fantastic book. I also noticed on Twitter, and anyone who knows me know I'm a bit Twitter obsessive, and that in 1671, we like a bit of history, Jane Sharp, who was a midwife in, in England, wrote and published the book, the Midwives book. It's one of, I think it was probably the first properly midwifery written textbook. So I'll just say that 1671. That's a bit amazing. You can see it in the British Museum. And it's actually when you read bits of it, it's fascinating because a lot of that stuff that she was talking about is very pertinent care that we provide today. Some of it isn't because the phys they didn't know the physiology. They didn't know a, a lot of the science. And also, of course, they didn't have stuff like research. And we've got enormous amount of that. So. But it's good, good to read these things. Also, I was in my Twittering today. I picked up and I, this um, from the Nursing and Midwifery Council, NHS Confederation, NHS England. And this is a, a, it's a kind of resource pack. And it's got little things that you can use your phone and get little video clips. And it's called Combating Racial Discrimination against minority ethnic nurses, midwives and nursing associates. And it's a whole resource for people who are registered with the Nursing and Midwifery Council. And it's really gives some just some pointers about addressing this in the workplace as a practitioner. If you see it, if you experience it, how you deal with it. And really, we need to be doing this like all the time. And I'm, it, it's great to see this and it's not too big apart from, I guess, going to the little um, video clips, that's more information. But actually, that's probably more digestible for us as busy practitioners. It's only 18 pages. So get it, print it. It's on the links in the resources and have a look and see how you can contribute to addressing racism because we really need to do this for our working staff as well as our women and families. Really important. Also, the NMC, Nursing Midwifery Council, looking for practitioners to join the council. So if anyone's interested in that, link is on the resources as well. Um, the RCM staff survey, this one I talked about last week, so I won't go on the same things again. 4,000 responses in a flash survey. Really interesting. That link is on the resources as well. And also there's a, um, an interesting research starting out called the relaxed study. Sadly, it's not for us midwives. It's for women who are experiencing anxiety in pregnancy. And again, the link is in, in the might be in that category of being very anxious and needing to be part of this study. So have a look at that. Also, um, you might want to register if you haven't done for the Manchester Festival, which is next week on the 4th of July. Unless you're coming to see us in Manchester, we'll be there. Um, and we've got a fabulous lineup of speakers. So I'll look forward to seeing lots of you there. I feel I'm, I feel you're there. OK, now this evening we've got these two lovely midwives. And this is all this is really a, a kind of whole session about career development and midwives pathways and kind of addressing 
the issue but I, and this is something i notice on groups and facebook and twitter there's a you struggle to get on a midwifery program and you kind of think oh that's it i'm going to become a midwife that's it and once i become a midwife it's all hunky-dory and it's interesting that when you talk to any group of midwives you'll come across midwives who've had in fact most of most of us have had some little checkers something that's happened that's kind of slowed us down as as being quite difficult to cope with we've had to stop and start and I was very interested to hear a bit of Kemi's story I know a little bit about both of our lovely speakers but Kemi's story kind of struck a chord with me because she wanted and I think she I'm not going to take her words because she's going to share those words so I'm going to say a big welcome to first of all Kemi Akin Wun me. Have I pronounced it correctly, Kemi? I'm hopeless. Yeah, you've done much better second time around. <laughs> second time. I'll yeah. I'll work on this well and truly. Now she's a mother, midwife, health sister, antenatal teacher, baby massage massage facilitator, baby and infant first aid teacher. And she works in the NHS by an, an agency on delivery suite, antenatal and postnatal wards. So she really all the areas, as well as working part-time as a health visitor with specialist experience in parental and infant mental health, which is a huge area. And she also provides a professional anti-private services supporting parents. And I'm hoping she's going to mention a little bit about that and possibly a little bit at a later juncture. So welcome to Kemi. Um, the screen is now yours, Kemi. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having me once again, Sue, and to Matt Flix. I really do appreciate my time. Um, I do hope to just get straight to the point. I know I've got a short time to give you what I've got to say today. Um, it was a pleasure, like I said, one of the highlights to share my story. Um, I have got a presentation to talk to you. And today I really want to just discuss about how you can diversify through midwifery. I think Sue rightly spoke about sometimes you think, just applying is actually the problem. Um, and then you get the get through to interview, you become an into the university level and you become the midwife. Great. So this talks through my journey and how I've diversified through my career, through developing, through other services that sometimes we may not know there's avenues to do so. So thank you for the introduction. I'm Kemi Akirumi, also a professional auntie, and I am a midwife and specialist in public health. Next slide. So education, aspirations. Um, why did I decide to become a midwife? Um, I did have dreams as I was younger to be a pediatric doctor. Then I found out about how many years I spent <laughs> in doing that. And I thought, can I really spend those many years? And also um, just thought about maybe that child aspect of that may be a bit more challenging for me. So I decided midwifery when my mom had um, my youngest brother and I got to know about what midwifery care was. That really sparked my interest around the age of 13, 14. And then I started to um, derive my subjects um, surrounding that, looked more into it, college time, pitch subjects that were likely towards it. I wasn't an A-star student in science subjects. So for all those thinking you need to be A-star students all the way through um, for like science subjects, I wasn't really that. I got the best I didn't do science all the way I did my best and I got through and then I went to university in picking my universities I decided all my universities should be out of London I was young I went from 18 straight away from college into doing the course um when I started my university life I think I was one of the two there was probably four of us in that cohort that were young the youngest in the class it's quite a mature audience in that um era that was in 2008 um, and starting ever. So it was quite daunting entering that class and had more mature students who had had children already, had experience of, you know, the lived experience in, of being a mother. And we came in with that. And I was probably the second youngest in the in the in the class. So coming that, there can be some stereotypes of a young midwife. Will she make it? Um, what does she know? How could she be a midwife? Even during your placements, you can feel like sometimes parents may doubt you and your experience and even down to your um, mentors. So that I did experience a couple of that as well while I was there about um, some stereotypes, but it was it was quite good sometimes to break the stereotype with how I presented myself. So being out of London, I was out of my depth in terms of family, having close links in terms of friends, 
So that can also be quite a challenge when you're 18, starting a quite a different type of um, course like midifee. Midifee isn't your normal, you get three months off in summer, you get two weeks, it's quite straight on the working straight away. For those that may not have worked a day in their life, I had, but in a different kind of hospital environment, very professional world, everything you do matters, your professionalism had to start off straight away. So that was quite a different thing I had to learn straight away. I had friends around me that had the normal courses. <laughs> they were, could go out, you know, I had to go to uni every five days a week. Um, I had to do placements, night shifts um, straight away. That can be quite different. And sometimes friends were like, oh, you're going here. Um, one of the things I will say later is sometimes you need to pick your, um, I, I should have had a better in terms of like support networks, I didn't stay in nursing halls. I wanted to still live the university life, the young me. <laughs> so I did have that kind of different in terms of that. And being away from family, it was quite hard um, being in a total new city um, and out of my depth in that area. So these are the things that sometimes picking university, where do you pick it? Do you need your social networks? Do you need friends networks? Do you need family around you? How well will you thrive um, in terms of that and how it was? So I think being out of London, I did have some friends on my course, which really helped me. They were the ones that got me through initially, um, three or four of us. Um, but I didn't stay in halls, that nursing. When it came to having three months off, we didn't get that. We had like six six weeks in summer, very short time, six weeks or four weeks actually in summer, which is quite hard. Um, yeah, so that was that. And it was very different having placement, working night shifts from straight away and doing university five days a week. And everything mattered. Everything was tight in terms of assignments. So that's the aspirations I did. I knew quite early on I wanted to be a midwife. I followed that through straight away from my college life to university um, and going up London and having knowing that I was met with the shock of, oh, I'm doing both sides. Next slide, please. So challenges. During my midfield journey is three, four years of um, training. I would say I experienced quite a lot of challenges. So like I've already spoke a little bit about having non-medical friends, not a bad thing, my friends that wasn't, but sometimes having the understanding, still wanting to have um, three months off, they were going out, being young, I wanted to still go out sometimes and having that, that was a bit of a challenge sometimes and not staying in halls where people would understand, sleeping, night shift, day shift, long hours coming in, that was a bit difficult sometimes. I spoke earlier on about young midwife stick sigma that I faced that in placement with my mentors also amongst sometimes the, the families you were looking after, um, the holidays we spoke about. And then my biggest challenge that I faced in midfield was in my year two, where quite rightly Sue spoke about resources. I faced head-on racism. Being a young 19, 20 years old um, young lady, I believed I could persevere. Um, I had a mentor who I worked with in my, on my label ward, also antenatal wards. And she discriminated me throughout my six weeks without her. She said many racial comments towards me, put me down and told me things like I'd belong in Tesco checkouts. The likes of me don't, don't do well in things I did. And many where a lot of other peers of her colleagues heard her say, and no one stood up. So I felt like, what chance did I have standing up for myself? Um, in hindsight, I should have spoke up earlier. I waited till the last minute. She'll, she will leave me to do things by myself, ignore me on shifts. I mean, it felt really small. Um, really hard um, during that placement and then after having that time she got to the very end she'll tick off some boxes and last minute she just failed me and told me you won't do well here go back to where lots of you belong in Tesco checkout very hard I cried and cried and then obviously I took it up with my there were some people that told me you know what we've heard what she's put you through you really struggled so I had to go through NMC I made a complaint for it and obviously she did get disciplined throughout the service however we spoke about how tight midfield is. Um, where you have four weeks holiday, that, that was a six weeks placement. Where she had failed it, where she had ticked off some boxes, I still needed to pass that, that six week placement. No matter what, the NFC expects you to have these ticked off places. And I had six weeks that I still needed to cover and had it to be passed. So these are the negative, sometimes the quite controversial things about the placement where you are relying on uh, one person, and that was prior to pass you. So I still had to take um, some time out um, and I ended up having nine months off. During that nine months off, many thought, would you go back? Are you not going to go back? I did think about transferring back to London or another university, but I felt like, no, 
I'm going to finish it here. I don't want to give up. I don't want to put out. This is what I want to do. Like I said earlier, I knew I wanted to be a midwife very early on. And it was hard. I did think maybe I should give up. It's not for me. Because she did speak negative things into me. However, I decided I wasn't going to give up. So I had to leave the cohort I was in. I was allowed, I was able to see my cohort of friends graduate before me. I had to join another cohort. Nine months off, I did a lot of experience. I got learned to drive, which was great <laughs> in that time as well. Um, but then I returned after nine months to a new cohort for my final year. So trying to make new people in the mix of that new cohort, and that was quite challenging. And, and if I did give up, I wouldn't be where I am today. But I kept going, and I knew it was... So going back to your purpose, going back to your reason why, that was really important for me. So having that time off, even though I faced discrimination for a long time, I was happy that even though it may have been a bit late, people did speak up for me in the end, and I did have peer support. So it's good now the way that the midwifery segment is where you have a lot more mentors that you work with. I think that's a good thing that has come into play within the nursing and midwifery practice element where you have more, um, you work with a lot more of your mentors and not have one sign or final sign of mentor, which can be really good because you don't rely on that one person to fail you or pass you. Next slide, please. So here I am now, I qualified, yay, the three years was up and I've now become a midwife, which was great. It felt like I finally achieved this goal I had, although I had, that took me four years instead of three that I and I originally planned or thought I would take, but I've now done it, became a newly qualified midwife. Back to London, yay, <laughs> out of where I was, back to my own home environment. Then I had to face the juggling of my personal life, working life into this world of working full time and juggling, but um, becoming a preceptor. You have competencies you need to achieve. That was really hard. And so even though you're a new qualified, qualified midwife, it doesn't stop there. Qualified, yes, but how do you get your skills? How do you become a preceptor? Your band sits, find your feet. Now you're let alone in the room with a woman. Um, did all the skills that I learned really well. So that was really hard. My first six months, I think, was the most hardest part of my career. I faced every single obstetric emergency, things that could go wrong. I had it all. <laughs> and I thought, is this job for me? Have I done this job? Am I supposed to be a midwife? And I thought, oh, did I do the right thing? But I was like, no. I did. And although the women I looked after, it was bad. I had a lot of good support in the hospital that I worked in. Great staff, great um, perceptives um, that, I, that I reflected with. Good team. And that really helped me find my feet. Um, so going forward, but I did feel to myself that I didn't know. I, I knew I didn't want to stay working on labor would permanently like this going forward. So two years later, after I got my skills, become more confident, I decided to further my study. Next, next slide, please. And I decided to take up an opportunity to do specialist community public health in health visiting. What is health visiting? I think for those that don't know, public health for zero to five, looking after family that children are zero to five, and I will be working in community. That was a one-year course and it was really good. So I did work in community and I still kept my pin as working as a bank. I'd worked too hard those three years that I was never letting this pin ever go in my midwifery. So I kept, I went on a bank for hospitals working for a prior, prior and still kept on the bank while I was studying to keep my skills, not lose my confidence in what I was doing, which was great. So during that, I, I qualified as my in health visitor in 2015 and I began working in the community, but still on the bank to, and not lose my skills. So I'll do a couple of shifts a month, make keeping in touch and keep my confidence within my midwifery skills. Um, I later carried on, had my son, and I also developed to get in this specialist world, became a band seven role of in the parental and mental health. So that was really good experience within the year and a half that I worked in that role. Um, I was able to learn about parent and mental health. So that diversified the role there, teaching. Um, I've got other links as well in that role itself. Next slide. I spoke earlier about becoming a mom. This is where I birthed a professional auntie, my baby. Um, I became a mom, and during this experience, I was able to see the NHS from the lived experience side. And I was able to see how pregnancy was treated, postpartum treatment, and see how it worked out. And I was able to see, do I really um, feel that this is the support that I thought a woman should receive? And I think the good and bad of NHS, they was there, but they could see the gaps in the service of continuity of care. Continuity of care, I always preach every single day, is life-changing. And I believe that's the element that I believe that was missing in the NHS. So I decided to birth this support service where I felt like the gaps I saw 
things I thought I needed, I began to be, be that support for other mothers, for other parents, for other family members, for fathers. And I built packages, I built products, um, bespoke postnatal services, other things that really helped me in my postpartum element. I built it, I built it and worked towards bringing that to, the, to its life. And that's when Fresh Auntie was birthed and I started my social media presence as well. Next slide. So success of Fresh Auntie, I began this in 2019, 2020, um, I took it more seriously and I became a social media presence online, educational support for people from my Instagram, um, from live, Instagram live, linking with other people. I've had a chance to work with a motherhood group five times more, which brings elements of information guidance. And I've also been able to be part of their surveys, government changes, and also the parental mental health partnership and been on um, the baby show as well. I've also furthered my skills more to be able to support the parents during my professional auntie experience as being an infant massage facilitator, infant first aid, and also recently starting a YouTube series of Can Mums Have It All? And I've supported various mothers, fathers, families during this professional auntie role, and I'm, which I'm really proud of. And I've seen it grow and grow and grow and still to grow more. And I've been on part of podcasts talking about my journey as well. Next slide. Self-funded. Sometimes when you want to be great, when you want to do things, you will have to fund things yourself. So some of the things have come through work experiences. I've had courses I've done there, but I have funded things myself because of my passion, because of the drive and have I have for things or work in the community. I've funded things like my infant massage course. I did it myself. First day to get the skills I need to be, I funded them. Equipment, a lot of things I've invested into what I want to become. And this is a picture here you can see of some of the ladies and babies from my first day classes. Um, and also leadership courses. I've done a Florence Nightingale leadership, which my job funded, but I've done all these things. And recently, project management because of things I've anticipated to do later. Next slide. So 10 plus years of being a midwife, 11 years in December, can't believe it. Eight plus years of health visiting and four plus years of um, fresh auntie. What have I learned? Never, ever give up. You may have bumps on the road, challenges on the road it may look like should I really be doing this what am I doing here it may look different but sometimes you may be on the right road just means it takes a little bit of detours and you will still get to where you're going I've enjoyed midwifery it took I will never stop doing midwifery because of the hardship I took to get here and it just looks different for me in different ways and sometimes you may not practice midwifery the way you want to but in different areas in different ways as you can see I've been able to diversify in a um, private element um, also within my health system and other career progressions I've been able to do as well. What have I learned along my journey of student lives that I and I am able to educate students about things they should be doing better in terms of never take racism lightly, always speak up early if you face any um, attack, don't wait to the end because that will set you back. Um, and also thinking about having a peer support is so important when your journey um, picking the right universities for you area, have a good support links around you is so key. And even when you are qualified, have peer support, linking with other professionals that are doing the same thing you are doing, networking, coming to educate yourself like Matflix, keeping yourself up to date is so important to your journey. And whatever you want to achieve is always able to achieve. You just need to keep going. And I'm happy to say, here I am. I've got a lot of my next steps and hope for what professional auntie will be able to bring to other parents and what has birthed in my own motherhood journey that I'm able to provide to other families as well. I'm really grateful. And next steps and hopes for professional auntie. I'm sure we're back here to talk about it next time soon. So thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you so much, Kemi. That I, and my take home, the take home message of never giving up mm. is fantastic. And I think the issue around self funding is a really important one to make because sometimes you can get funding for things through different there are scholarships and we usually highlight some of those on here but it's got very difficult so yeah. being prepared if you really want something you'll go for it and also thank you for the racism bit because you've kind of illustrated in such a powerful way the damage it can do but when you were saying you should have addressed it at the time it it's easier said than done isn't it because if you're a student you're in a position it's all about power yeah. And you're in a lower, lower position to address it. So you need people looking out for you and supporting you, actually. But be a brilliant well done for, for getting through 
And never giving up. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, now, if you have any questions for Kemi, just pop them in the chat box because we're, we're still going. We're still going. But we're moving now on to Joyce. And Joyce Adamanqua has, since 2015, I hope I've got the years right for this one, Joyce. She's been a specialist midwife providing antenatal care for pregnant women with haemoglobinopathy disease and offering counselling and further screening for couples who are at risk of having a baby affected by the major haemoglobinopathies. And that's she's spoken before about that. So we've got her on a slightly different topic this, this evening. She's got a huge knowledge and skill set. She supports women and families and does multidisciplinary training at, at St George's where she works and wider. And um, no wonder when she won the um, Maternity Midwifery Forum Practice Leader Trailblazer this February, um, she was described by people that put her forward for the award as being cherished by the hospital and colleagues. And I thought this was a wonderful kind of um, tribute to have from the people you work with to be cherished. Isn't that lovely? So welcome, Joyce. And I know Thank you've, you. you've had some technical <laughs> problems as well, um, but welcome. And now the screen is yours. Thank you very much. Um, it's a great opportunity to come back. I was just listening to Temi and I just feel myself getting, you know, getting into things. And it's a, it's a privilege to come back again. Um, Midwifery is not an easy road, but it's quite rewarding. It's quite rewarding in a sense that I myself was not born here. I came from Africa at a time when I have had to develop myself and my family. But back home in Africa, I was trained as a, as a teacher a primary school teacher. So something of which I have a profession which I had a passion for. But when I got into UK, I am back on biblical studies. And the biblical studies, I proceed and then completed postgraduate diploma in applied theology with the aim of supporting my husband in ministry, which we have a church. So whatever I was developing was linked to who I am and where I'm coming from. So in terms of my progress into midwifery, it came along when I was working as a care assistant in this current hospital that I am still in at St. George's. I started there as a domestic assistant and then progressed through to become a care assistant. And in 20, 2004, I commenced midwifery training. At some point, I was weighing the point of either to continue and go into teaching or to continue another, another career pathway. But midwifery was, was like something I was there and living with. And I asked myself the question, can I do this role? which was, um, I was then in the labor ward most of the time as care assistant. Passion from there was just so much. It was a challenging. I asked myself, can I deal with this? I'm saying that because sometimes when we started the midwifery training, we were about 50 of, 50 of us. By the time we finished training, we were 25. So that means half of, of, the, of, of the group deferred or, or stopped. This is how the challenging was before. I don't know, maybe there has been a lot of, lot of progress where we need more midwives where we'll stay. So I qualified as a midwife in 2004. I, the, the midwifery I started was 2001, if I'm correcting myself. 2001, I started the midwifery. 2004, I qualified as a midwife. However, when I was going through the, even the interview, 
his personal reason, I was pregnant with my last child. I remember going to start the midwifery with my, you know, my child, four months old baby. And so we carried on and we managed to go through, qualified as a midwife, come to work in the labor ward as um, a band six midwife. Where the passion continued to work, I came to the point when I didn't want to do any more progress because whilst I was in training, I had so much interest to develop myself and also to do, to do diabetes in midwifery, diabetes specialist midwife. So I remember having to have a book in my hands all the time about diabetes in pregnancies. And I will renew the, that same book over and over and over. I was interested in high-risk pregnancies. And so I, when I qualified, I applied for diabetes specialist midwife a couple of times, but I wasn't getting through. And then I, call, I, I applied for band seven midwives. I wasn't getting through. So I came to the point when I had decided I will remain band six forever. But that wasn't the point because I was allocated by my, my own manager to, she asked me, it's actually in the same situation, Joyce, I see that you can, you are capable of doing a lot of things, but you seem to have re resolved that you don't want to do anything. There is somebody who has come to do a project and we would like you to have a word with her, with him. And so that is where my journey into the specialist midwife began. The, that was the point they located me to start the, the specialist midwife for sickle cell and thalassemia. So what happened was that I was allocated from labor ward one day a week to work with the matron in the fetal medicine unit. And the journey started from there. Within that year of two, 2014, that is when I also progressed to get a band seven role as a, a labor ward coordinator. So whilst I was developing myself and leading the role in, in, in um, labor ward coordinator, I was then again developing the service for sickle cell and thalassemia. So very important thing for me, but I have to continue, keep, I have had to committed myself to move forward, dedication, persistency, because the challenge was there. It wasn't always easy to combine two aspects of care of specialists or the thalassemia, sickle cell thalassemia, and also being a labor ward coordinator. At that time, I have a lot to learn, which there was a lot to give in as well, and a family. And this comes to midwifery when you are mature students, because it's not just the learning or the, the service that you're providing, you have family responsibility as well. And you combine this all together. So there are sometimes I have to have to work in the night time in order to be able to be there for the children, in order to be able to do what I need to do. Um, I came to the point when I have to continue. But the good news for me is that I had a, a manager who was interested in the sickle cell and thalassemia. And so in my next slide, I think the third, second slide or um, third slide, next slide, please. In, in my slides there, you may find mentoring somehow. With the mentoring I put there, it was very good support I had and somebody who can understand. Now we have to realize that the sickle cell thalassemia has, has been not been so much of interest or acknowledge in midwifery as it is now growing, coming up. So having to have a manager who supports and share the vision was great. And that has helped to develop the service till now. That is how far I walk into the midwifery. And so my journey from, from background as a primary school teacher, thinking that I was going to continue as a primary school teacher. However, at somehow down the line, my profession changed into midwifery. Perhaps being in the labor ward 
also generated my interest to continue to be a midwife and to become and to be trained as a midwife. It is very important. Sometimes we say there is a self you know and there's a self you don't know. There are others who may identify that you are good at something, but then you need to listen. And that is what helped me a lot. The previous slides I have put there also that, you know, take risk, take chances, follow your passion. These are the things that I can say to encourage my other uh, mother midwives and student midwives. This is because I remember being when in the second year placement, second year midwifery in placement, the elective clinical placement, um, we had the chance to, 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 to go to abroad. I myself took myself to Canada to observe um, independent midwifery. When I qualified as a midwife and got back to do the BSc, because that time it was a diploma, the dissertation I wrote, I wrote on spirituality of childcare and spiritual midwifery care. The reason is that I had so much passion. I was linking my faith and my work and experience together. But what is important for us to know for me is that the care we give has spiritual connotation. Being compassionate to develop what you want to develop, be compassionate to give the care that you want to give to the, to the patients or our women has that commitment their the kindness, their respect. So I wrote an essay about, uh, you know, a dissertation about spirituality of childcare. Somebody may ask, why am I mixing uh, my progress in terms of sickle cell thalassemia or hemoglobinopathy with that kind of dissertation? When I was giving this, I was, I was reading and saying, what am I going to say? Because within this period of short time, but when I was reflecting, I then, came to the point that there are some times I have taken risk in terms of developing and stepping out out of my comfort zone. So very important, what are the training that I had? I had to continuously, as Temi, Kemi said before, development, self-development, self-awareness is very important. I came to the point when sometimes I feel like I have to give up but I have to look at my inner strength and to gather the strength and to work on that strength. Also very important for me that I identify my weaknesses because not every time that I'm able to speak aloud and I needed to be assertive. So I had to go on assertive training in order to be able to provide care that meets my patients, you know, my women needs. So the, my journey into as a specialist midwife came at a point when I was being, having allocated, supported to provide that service. Very important in the development of leadership in midwifery. Um, I have come to realize being on a capital midwife course, I've come to realize that the services of hemoglobinopathy services in St. George's or where I'm working at the moment is a quality improvement pro project or a quality improvement service. And I, it is very important for me to say that whenever I, I learn and improve myself, I also improve the care I provide and improve my steps in leadership and also um, developing or, or quality improvement. Next slides, please, if I have to say that. Next slides, if I have any more. So as mentioned before, in last year, 2022, I had the BAME Midwife Award, which I wasn't even expecting, but I'm grateful that that came in. And so it's, you, you can, we cannot stay where we are. I have a motto that I say, keep on going, keep going, keep going. Don't give up, keep going. And I believe some will, will bear with me that it's very important that no matter what the challenge may be in midwifery, we keep going. In the providing of the specialist service, we have experienced a lot of 
different outcomes, but majority and 99% has been the best outcome. But when it's not best outcome, it's very difficult to bear. So challenges are there, but we only have to seek to do the best. And that is me, to give him, my, to give him myself, to be passionate about what I am doing, it made us sound to be, but when I am explaining to you, explaining to my patients, my heart is inside what I'm talking. So be passionate and have the interest to develop yourself, interest, a commitment to improve understanding. This is where I am. Next slide, please, if I have any more to say. So this is my last, thank you so much. But I say that in my job, it doesn't end here. Internationally, last year, I had the opportunity to go to Ghana to do some projects with the Trio Bridge. And it's all about improvement, improving maternal health and fetal health, mothers and babies' health. So whatever we are, we need to continuously developing ourselves, developing the role, improving the service we provide for patients or, or women to benefit from. Thank you very much. And thank you, Joyce. I wanted to do a round of applause for you. That was lovely. And I think I think what comes over for both of you, we've both had we've had keep going, never give up, follow your passion, take chances. What comes over to me is pathways are going to vary, and you maybe end up where you're not expecting to end up. And sometimes with, well, you, what comes through so strongly is what's most important to both Kemi and Joyce is the passion for looking after women and babies as, as the centre point, not of putting themselves forward just for the sake of it, but improving knowledge and quality as they're going. So you illustrated it brilliantly. And I know that you could both talk for a lot longer and I know you've been limited. I've kept you limited, which is very mean, but we do have a chance for some questions. And if you have any questions for Joyce, now is the time. We've got a short time because we were late starting. So we're going to be slightly late finishing. So we can take some questions because I know Kemi and Joyce will be very happy to answer some questions. I'm going to start with Kemi. And, and one for all oh, this one's a technical one. And this is from Kate Frith. Hi, Kate. And she says, thank you, Kemi. Great inspiration to keep going. Uh, can I ask how you keep your midwifery hours for revalidation? Is that all part of the health vista role or the auntie role? You need to, to unmute, Kemi. <laughs> Sorry. Thank Great you. question. MK, um, I do have my, um, I still do agency midwifery. I now work in a hospital. Like I said, I'm never going to stop practicing my skills. I still have a passion for working on labor or postnatal and giving the care itself. So I can, and, but also health visiting. A lot of the health visiting role is midwifery can be counted. You do baby checks, you do postpartum checks as well for postnatal women. So they do count some of those hours as you can put it down as those as well. So if I didn't do as much, I can still count some of the things I do within health visiting as my hours that contribute towards me to fee as well. So it did kind of line into that, but also I could count um, some of that in my private services, but because of NHS, I have to keep it within the NHS role of what I've done within that. And I think what I would say, the, the other thing is just to say to people, you'll notice that the NMC revalidation page is on the resources page, because I put it there mainly for that, kind of a question which is a really good one Kate but you can't what you can't do is double count and also yeah. the thing the tools you need when you're doing your revalidation are this the proficiency yeah. not just for students this is for us as midwives and your code because code. you need to cross-reference what your learning and your development is using these so thank you for that Kemi that's really helpful and then Kiswana I hope I pronounced that correctly Kiswana Question for Kemi. Thanks for sharing your journey, Kemi. So inspiring. What do you hope to see? Oh, this is a good one. What do you hope to see in the world of midwifery in the next few years? How do you want or expect things to change for the better? Just a small question then, Kiswana. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, I do want 
there to be less of a shortage of midwives and the burnout. I think the biggest thing that makes me really sad right now is the burnout. And I think that's why I speak more about flexibility in midwifery. The reason why I've tried to avoid that burnout and the lack of passion within midwifery is trying to diversify. I love supporting families. I love supporting women. However, labor ward, um, shortage staff, not being supported sometimes, these things are burnout. And I, I love how Joy spoke about um, you know, dropout rate. That's still ongoing. I remember, like you said, many will start off and find out how hard things are. I think not having the great mental support sometimes, that's still sad to know. And of course, so hard. So for me, I would love to see a world where we are well staffed on shifts. We have breaks every shift. We get to weed. <gasps> we get to go weed. <laughs> we have tea breaks, you know. We can support women, you know. We get better. We're not looking after so many women that we can't give the best care that we want to give. And I think that, and women, we get to diversify within our role, not just having to stick in one place. And that becomes a world that we were used to where women come in and feel safe. And also, you know, even discrimination and, you know, even down to seeing things where I, I have supported five times more, you know, reducing the inequalities that I see within the um, ethnicity that I'm from the African and black community as well. And that's a crucial, and, and actually that's not just here. And, and when you're talking about shortage of midwives, we need to remember that the world is short of just under a million midwives. Can you imagine a million, mid, million midwives? I think it was 990 or 950,000 midwives short from the ICM uh, report recently. So we need to we need to look after ourselves and look after each other. And I, I thought Joyce's uh, description of her manager was really good. Her yeah. manager picking up, this is what Joyce could do and, and allowing, not just allowing, but enabling her to develop. And we need to do that as, as colleagues as well. Now, I'm going to throw a question now at uh, from Kate. This is a comment, really. This is Kate Frith. Who, hi, Kate, who says, I love that, Joyce. There's a self you know and there's a self you don't know. There's a positive one for you. And Joyce, you're still on mute just in case you wanted to say anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and... Mm. Um, now we've got a question from, um, well, Babs. Hi, Babs. Babs says, "Thank you, Kemi. How can you? How can I get your contact details? Okay. Have a look at the resources sheet. That's the um, professional auntie website. Listening to your stories made me cry. It's the same thing happened to me. I'd like some support, please, to move forward. So I'm sure, Kemi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy there." professional auntie and all my platforms as well so yeah yeah fabulous thank you and then we've got um well max asks a question i think this is a tricky one and i you know that could be for either of you as practitioners as as mentors now uh, max says my big question is why do mentors think they can damage people and leave with it it hmm. I think it's my just even hearing Bab saying she's going for the same thing. It breaks my heart. It's something that I another thing that I wish that I can support many more people in about. Um, it changes changes you. They they can't get away with it. And I think there should be something in place to verify. And I think that's what I said. I'm happy that there is more. The way the setup has been has changed from what I have experienced to be. You can have multiple setup mentors and you can work with multiple with people now. However, when people are coming in with a hard enough course the pressure to have mentors that can really set you back, try to set you back, try to put your, your course, um, can be really hard. And they shouldn't get away with it. As Matt said, they shouldn't get away with it. Um, I wish there could be some more, more refining going on with NMC in the way we, the way they mark us, you know, placement has to be marked by somebody. I wish there was another way to do it, <laughs> but there unfortunately hasn't been. Um, but that is the hard part of the midfield nursing thing is, you don't base it all on the um, like other people get based on your Joshua work, you know. Within midwifery nursing, placement assessment work must be yeah. governed by a mentor, and I don't know how that can change. So I mean, they're meant to be overseen or supported by yeah. the the education institution, but that's yeah. sometimes a bit variable. Joyce, you wanted to say something? Yes, because uh, mentorship is a good thing. Without that, we cannot get the midwife, or we cannot get the the qualified midwife. I have experienced some kind of beta experience, but it's as Kemi said, said, you just have to carry on. At the time, you can't you can't continue with this. They told me you got to stop. 
you know, and I said to myself, time and time, even as I was going for the um, international practice, they said, oh, you've got children, you can't do it. You can't leave your children. (laughs) Discrimination. (laughs) But you cannot underestimate anyone. What we can do is to give the people support, understand where they are, Mm. meet them where they are, and be able to, even if we can't give them, give them advice that will encourage them to continue what they are doing. Mm. Um, yeah, mentorship is a great thing. And every midwife is a mentor because you have students mm, coming through all this, you're all around. Everywhere you are, you are a mentor. So we've got to develop that mentorship in ourselves to be able to keep the profession alive. And the leadership, particularly leadership, is great important for for midwifery. Huge thing. And I think, I mean, I think us as midwives, we need to identify where there's a mentor that's not perhaps doing what they should be doing and Mm -hmm. deal with it ourselves. Because we're we're strong-minded people. It's a well-known fact about midwives. We always have something to say. And they are good. They are good mentors out there. Not all yes, of very good mentors. The I've trouble is, you, re- you, you remember the bad ones because yeah. those are the ones that damage you. The the good ones bring your warmth to your heart and give you that confidence. And you never forget them. No, never, that's true. Ever. Never that is true. Them. That is true. So good mentors, we love you. Okay, yes. I'm going to move on now. This is a question from Emma Bliss Harding. Hi, Emma, who says, as black women. Do you feel you've had to work harder to prove yourselves and get to where you wanted to be? I worry about how this will affect me within my local trust as there doesn't seem to be a lot of ethnic diversity within the midwifery teams. Okay, mm. that's a good question, Emma. And it is a worry if you, because it's always nice to have a whole mix of people, isn't it? I don't know. Joyce, did you want to comment to that? Um, it's true time and time you've got to work very hard to come up to with something that and what's for me I find it to be interesting is to be developing what you are interested in or what you are good at and what you are passionate the consistency will prove you the quality of you and then would change the dimension would change the, the the idea that people or perception people may have about you and it's not easy to do that but be what who you are persist with what you are take approach to study take time it's not easy when you keep coming in tired tired but make time to study every little that you study will go far and near to make a change and that you will prove yourself worth more than people think of you thank you kemi did you want to add or I love what improvement work. The quality of you. Yeah, I love that. And um, but I would just say yes. Um, to be very clear, I'm not to weep around the bush. I had a yes, having to work hard. I've been a black woman. Um, but I would say poke your nose in. Don't sit back. Don't let that defeat you. Um, put put your your nose where it needs to be. Like so, make make yourself be known. I feel if like you said, follow your passion, but put, build that peer support network with what you have available to you get yourself out there because sometimes you might just sit back thinking oh there's no point in applying for that job they're not gonna pick me anyway no apply get experience in these fields ask to just act on ask, ask to observe and like I said where opportunities are not coming for you I've had to self-fund I didn't wait for opportunities to come for me it may be an investment in myself but it's paid off for me so sometimes things will be handed to you because of opportunities but sometimes you may have to fight for your own opportunities which mm. and it's worked out and I think that's brilliant. I've got a whole sheet of things when I do my revalidation of, of keeping going and never giving up and following passion. <laughs> and now the quality of you, Joyce, I love that saying, I love that. quality of you. Because I think, and this poking your nose in, <laughs> is being around because sometimes things happen to you because you're around and you're popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know the people this is what we need to do isn't it great okay now I've got just two more questions I think Kate Frith and is saying to Joyce uh, reflecting on your experience in Canada that what did you bring back into your current role from the independent midwives in Canada quite interesting um over in Canada they practice um obstetric nurses they don't do the deliveries it's the doctors who do the deliveries. But 
um, as a midwife into an independent midwifery, they have to do their own deliveries, which we in UK have the opportunity to do. We do the deliveries, look after the woman, and only when there is a issue or complication that we get the doctors in. In fact, we have birth center midwives who will deal with, you know, low births and managing everything. That gives us the confidence to be midwives. And that is what we, we are for. That is the difference that I saw over in Canada. Another thing I think I observed there was that they were giving like antibiotics for a GBS at 30, they'd screen for 37 weeks and give antibiotics. We were not doing it here. I think there has been a lot of research in UK regarding the GBS. So there is a lot of progress in that. So um, that's, that's all that can. This is years ago. That is 2003 when I went there. But isn't it good about sharing? And this is having, I, I mean, I don't, neither of you went to Bali <laughs> recently to the ICM. But I mean, oh. that's, that's when what is fantastic when you get a whole bunch of midwives from all over the world together. When you, and when you have the opportunity to share different practice, you take things back. And that's so precious to us as midwives, what we have strong. Now, last question. I think this is the last question. It's from Juliet Samuel. Hi, Juliet. Um, and she says, having been on the receiving end of racism within practice, how do you think, how do you think the trust can begin to address the dichotomy in the IEMs are being recruited into the system and the midwifery drain that's evidence? I'm assuming that's international recruited midwives. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you want to stop? You start. Who wants to start? You stop, <laughs> Kelly. Um, that's quite a big question. <laughs> yeah, it's a big way. I don't know to start, but I feel um, with the, if you, I think what she's trying to say is that there's an influx of international midwives coming in. Um, so I feel like basically having leads on them themselves and they're also linking in regular review of what they're, what they're experiencing. So, you know, regular feedback, re regular like um, surveys of what they're experiencing and also having links. So when they come in, I think sometimes seeing them, they may not, they have a different way of working. Like you can say they've had a way trying to change their practice. Sometimes being supported, people can be seen as a hindrance or clash with them. So I think having that um, understanding of the way they've worked before, having like someone that supports them, like I said, that comes in. You know, we spoke about earlier, Sue so said something to me that basically you felt, I, I felt I had to keep quiet, but having someone, someone to fight for me, I think there should be someone that is fighting for them to make sure that there's an understanding of where they're coming from, having an understanding of what they're, they're stemming from, they're, they're, what they bring to the table and why we need them. We don't want to burn these ones out. We bring them for a reason to help us out, they're helpers. But if we get them off the good start, change their um their roots educate them on how we do things here the best practice bring their practice up skills up support them and not just have a busy shit and not give them the right support we'll we'll keep them we'll retain them and and avoid the racism avoid discrimination of practice and and instead use it as learning opportunities for them to educate them and to keep them in a system and to better their practice and better not isn't better in practice but to change the narrative of how they work there to bring them to what we're doing here i would say Okay, so thank you, Demi. And my one is that make them link with this. There's some organizations, um, we have something like uh, so Society of um, Caribbean Midwives. Mm, yes. um, we have GNA, which is Ghana Nursing Association, which I am part of. There is Pastoria team that has been developed in providing care for them, in helping them to navigate their pathway of care and helping them to establish um, in the career path, the new environment and also in the career pathway. It's very important that we welcome them if they are here to work and they are here to make the numbers with us as well, not just the numbers, but to be improving care. And so we need to give them the support, maximum, max, maximum support to, for them to establish. So these societies, I mean, the, 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 the associations, I should say, are there. And it's very important for them to be linking back and get the support for them to be able to establish themselves. However, in the workplace where they are, 
I think there is a responsibility for the organization themselves, making sure that these midwives well established in their development, in their studies, that is when we can maintain our numbers and, 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 and safe staffing. Fabulous. And of course, what we have to remember is these midwives coming from away have got a whole huge skill set and knowledge base themselves. They're not kind of ignorant people. And often they'll bring skills that we haven't got a clue about. We need to kind of really utilize that and value them. So thank you so much for that whistle, whistle stop tour. I'm just going to, there's a final comment, and this is from a student midwife, Chantal. Hi, Chantal. And Chantal says, I'm a student midwife, and it's taken me years to start my journey. Thank you so much for this. It's been really inspiring. And what a lovely, it's lovely to finish with Chantal as our student midwife. So thank you for, for, for saying that. And thank you to our audience. Now, I should have said at the beginning, this is why I'm looking away. The questions come through on a different screen. I'm not just doing something else at the same time. How could I possibly, with these two wonderful women sharing their journeys and their pathways, they've shared a, a fragment. I think we'd have to have them back because Joyce, I can see, is itching to share even more sickle cell and thalassemia. And Kemi will come back with a professional auntie um, project, which I think is a really interesting area to look at because it's, it sort of feels quite pastoral, yet midwifery. It feels lovely. So thank you. Thank you to both of you. I'm going to say also thank you. I'm bringing us to a close just in case you didn't notice because we run over a little bit. We're hoping that Angelo, who's behind the scenes making sure it's all running smoothly, hasn't noticed we've run over a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, thank you to Paul, who's fielding all the questions through to me. Um, resources will be available on the website and on Facebook. Next week, Maternity and Midwifery Hour, we've got Kate Greenstock and Sarah Milnes. We're going to be looking at when midwives have babies and children and what effect that has on their kind of uh, well-being. And you'll remember that Kate has written the Flourish book um, about thriving in midwifery. And there's a lot about this has been a theme all the way through this series about caring for each other and caring for ourselves as well, which I'm a bit biased that way, so I think it's really important. Um, Anyway, so hopefully many of you will come next week, same place, same time. We hope we won't have any gremlins next week. Um, And I hope to see lots of you in Manchester next week. And if not, maybe in Cardiff on the 12th of September, seems a long time away, but it'll come around soon. I think I want to I want I want to use some of Joyce's and Kemi's word words as we finish. Never give up. Keep going. Follow your passion. That's what brought you in. That's what will keep you in and, and give you nourishment in your heart and joy in midwifery. So thank you for coming. We'll see you next week. Take care. See you then. Bye.